Hey, greetings everyone, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here and welcome to the Steadfast and Law Program. Hey folks, Lieutenant Carl Allen West here at Watchtower Firearms. This is the uh, custom design uh, AR-15 that was just made for me. It's got my Steadfast and Laurel logo there. On this side, you can see my signature, my Master Parachutist wings, of course, American flag. And I just want to tell you that you can't be a great American unless you have a great American weapon. And that's exactly what Watchtower Firearms is building. Great American weapons all American parts manufactured right here in the great state of Texas. And oh, by the way, the, uh, let me see, where is the serial number on this one? TX 1836. If you're from Texas, I think you know what that means. God bless you, God bless Washtow. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Law program. You know, there is a very interesting word that I think is starting to gain a little popularity when we look at our political system today. You remember the guy Benedict Arnold? Well, Benedict Arnold was, you know, a hero early on in the Revolutionary War. But then all of a sudden his self-interest took over his interest for the young country that he had sworn to go to the battlefield and fight for their independence. And he divulged information about the West Point garrison over to the British. Well, he was found out. And the name Benedict Arnold has now been synonymous with the word traitor. But I will tell you that when I look at the Republican Party today, you know, people come out and say, well, rhinos and all this, like Republican in name only, whatever. I think that the best way to describe some of these individuals is a single word, and that's traitor. See, I could have a lot of angst against the Republican Party, but, you know, I don't focus on a political party. I focus on ideals, principles, the Constitution. The political party that seemingly, supposedly, aligns itself closest to the Constitution, my beliefs as a constitutional conservative, is the Republican Party. But I remember back in my reelection bid, young freshman member of Congress, you know, I did everything that I could to support other members, would travel around the country helping other members to raise money, things of this nature. And I expressed to the leadership at that time that my yes was a yes, my no was a no. And I took some very strong positions and stances. I didn't go up there with any fear. I didn't go up there thinking that, you know, I'm only here to get reelected. I went up there to represent the constituency that I had and also 
to honor the oath to the Constitution that I had taken back in 1982. This was just another reiteration of me taking that oath. But there were some people in the Republican Party, they just did not like that. And so, in the same time as my reelection, it was also redistricting. Census had been taken. And somehow, the only black Republican member of Congress from the state of Florida since Reconstruction was redistricted out of their own district that they had the honor to represent with Republicans being in a supermajority in the state of Florida and a Republican governor. Hmm. How does that happen? See, at the time, the president of the Florida State Senate was a guy by the name of Don Gates, G-A-E-T-Z. Ooh, maybe some of y'all are familiar with that last name. Yes, his son is Representative Matt Gates. Maybe I'm not too fond of that family name. But the thing is that here you are, you're, you're working for this political party. You're a representative of this political party. You won back a congressional district that they had lost in the 2006 meltdown, Bush's final midterm election. And they stab you in the back and they redistrict you out. And then, of course, we know the debacle in the election that uh, we had in 2012. Many people remember that. Many people saw that as the beginning of this whole election fraud issue. I still don't understand how you can have a voter precinct with 118% voter turnout. I mean, I'm, I'm not getting it. But everything was signed off by the then governor of Florida, Rick Scott. He signed off on the redistricting that he knew redistricted me out. He approved the election results from that 2012 midterm election, even though the St. Lucie County Supervisor of Elections, Gertrude Walker, they called her Dirty Gertie, she had some trepidations about it, and she admitted that she didn't think that they were really true electoral results. Because a little bit after midnight, all of a sudden you had a 4,000 vote shift in my election. And there was videotape catching her going into the facility where the uh, election ballots were stored. But everybody said, hey, let's move on. And so I, I kind of understand this thing that is going on in the Republican Party where they're picking and choosing the people that they like to the detriment of their own principles and values. And we just recently saw what happened here in the state of Texas where the Attorney General, Ken Paxton, was brought up on impeachment charges. Now, here once again we have what's supposed to be a red state, and that's being very questioned right now in the state of Texas, but supposedly a red state. In the state of Texas, the Republicans have a majority over the Democrats of some, let's see, 83 or 84 to 60 in the state house, if I'm correct, might want to check my, my map, but I think it's 83 to 61 in the state house, 19, I believe, to 12 in the Texas State Senate. And we have a Republican governor. But somehow the Republican Attorney General here in the state of Texas, who's been very forthright and strong in coming out and going after the Biden administration and having successes, is brought up on impeachment charges by a Republican state house. 
And oh, by the way, when you break down the impeachment vote in the state house, it was 121 to 23. And that 121 that voted for the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton here in the state of Texas, a Republican, in a Republican majority state house, it was 61 Democrats and 60 Republicans. So in essence, the, Re the Republicans who had a majority were not even able to keep their majority together, and Democrats ended up impeaching Ken Paxton in the state of Texas. And we just recently saw the end of this impeachment trial. It went on to the Senate because in the House they kind of act like a grand jury. And, of course, this thing, secret investigation committee, then all of a sudden it's brought up in the last few days of the legislative session, like 48, 72 hours, no opportunity for Attorney General Paxson to you know, present any uh, side of his case, no real opportunity to, to research it. So it goes over to the Senate. In about eight or days, eight days or so, it's over, done. And if you were following that case, I mean, leading up to it, the left was, I mean, it was all over the papers, national news and everything. Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas, is getting impeached. Now, all of a sudden, slowly but surely, you start to hear less and less about this impeachment trial. Because the case absolutely just fell apart. The star witnesses of the prosecution, the House managers for this impeachment, they seem to impeach themselves, <laughs> definitely contradict themselves, even perjure themselves. There was no real evidence there, no real evidence of quid pro quo. Even some admitted they, they didn't have any evidence. They just felt like something was wrong. Now, I understand, is Ken Paxson, you know, a great guy? We're going to, you know, canonize him as a saint? Probably not. But we know that this was not criminal. It was all political to include came to find out during the impeachment trial in the Senate that even the governor's office was involved in this. People going over and talking with the chief of staff of the governor's office. And you don't get to talk to the chief of staff of the governor's state of Texas unless the governor's state of Texas allows the chief of staff to talk to you. And I'm sure the chief of staff is going to talk back to the governor about what was discussed. So here we are in what's supposed to be this great Republican red state, Texas. Where I remember as chairman of the Republican Party, we worked really hard to make sure that the Democrats did not get control of the Texas State House because, again, we had a redistricting coming up. And they had focused on several different House districts that they wanted to flip. Didn't get it. But now, all of a sudden, you have this 83 to 61 majority in the Texas State House of Republicans and somehow the Democrats, 61 to 60, equals 121. They vote to impeach a Republican attorney general. That's nothing but traitors. And, and the Speaker of the House, and if you have not been paying attention to what's happened here in Texas, the Texas uh, State GOP, the, the, uh, the Republican Executive Committee, just recently met, and they voted 58 to 2. The two people are really idiots. But 58 to 2, to say that the Texas Speaker of the House, Republican Dave Phelan, should resign. Counties all over the state of Texas have put out notices for his censure. And if he doesn't resign, the resolution from the Texas GOP says that 
the lawmakers there in the Texas House should come together in a special session and vote to vacate the chair. The guy's been putting Democrats in charge of committee positions. As a matter of fact, I remember some Texas GOP chairman. When Dave Phelan came in to be the speaker, he appointed 13 Democrats as committee chairs. I referred to him as a political traitor. People went nuts. You can't say that. You're the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. You can't say that about a Republican Speaker of the House. Of course I can. Benedict Arnold went from hero to zero. And so I think that it's time that we start looking inside this Republican Party and we start asking our question. And this is the question. Traitor, a person who betrays a friend, country, principle. We got people in the Republican Party, and I'm going to be real, they're traitors. That's how we got to this point with this whole, uh, you know, attorney general impeachment. You got these people running around, these organizations in Texas, the Associated Republicans of Texas, ART. They're about as Republican as Nancy Pelosi. Texas for, Texans for Lawsuit Reform, TLR. They give more money to Democrats and everything than, than, than anybody else, but yet they try to call themselves Republicans. As a matter of fact, TLR, Texas for Rep Lawsuit Reform, if you read some of the, the stories, it seems they had a little hand in this impeachment of Ken Paxson as well. Why do we do this? Why do we have this circular firing squad? You will never see the left go out there and, uh, you know, impeach Merrick Garland. They're not going to impeach any of these, you know, Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis down in Georgia. Yeah, here we are. We play these silly games. Why? Because we have people in the Republican Party that are too focused on their own self-interest or special interests than the interests of this country or the interests of their state and definitely not the interests of the citizenry, the electorate. This is a huge problem going into 2024, and I think that the only way we rectify this is through a true and in-depth primary system. I can tell you right here in Dallas County, there are some people in Dallas County that brought up the proposition to, and, and, and an idea and a concept to the precinct chairs of Dallas County GOP that we need to have paper ballots for the Dallas County Republican Party primary. The statutes here in the state of Texas says they can do that. But guess what? They're politicians, Republican. They say they don't want that to happen. Wonder why. Don't you want to try to restore some semblance of integrity and trust and credibility to the electoral process, especially here in Texas, especially in a place like Dallas County, which is run by the progressive socialist leftists? Maybe we could even just get it right in our own Republican primary. And I live in Dallas County. I'd be happy to fill out a paper ballot in Dallas County. Make me feel a lot more confident than sticking something into a machine that goes up into the ethosphere. There's an issue of traitors in the Republican Party. Let me talk to you about this story. From the Daily Wire, Inside Colony Ridge, the fastest growing development in the United States is a magnet for illegal immigrants. Now, maybe some of y'all have heard about this. If not, you should look it up. But this place, Colony Ridge, a Texas land developer, has established a sprawling, sprawling settlement north of Houston 
where thousands of illegal immigrants are believed to have settled, raising concern among experts and elected officials that the development 400 miles in the interior of the United States could become a strategic asset for the cartels. Now, this is in Texas. Colony Ridge, fastest growing development in the United States of America is a magnet for illegal immigrants. Remember when we had the illegal immigrant that had been deported nine times, and he shot and murdered a family of five who were also illegal immigrants. And oh, by the way, the, the, the press went crazy because Governor Abbott said that they were illegal immigrants and he came back and apologized for it. I would have said, to hell with you. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm stating fact. Republicans also need to grow a spine. But that incident happened there at Colony Ridge. And let me just explain and give you a, a, a picture of what Colony Ridge is like. Despite what appears to be poor living conditions throughout much of the development, Colony Ridge is exploding. The view from the sky revealed a sprawling labyrinth of roundabouts and endless rows of sidewalkless streets with empty plots waiting to be developed. The edges of the property are dotted with construction vehicles, each one tasked with cutting and clearing surrounding forests to make, this, to make their way. A calculation performed on the acreage and lot data provided on the Colony Ridge website for each of their six subdivisions found that it was already more than 60 square miles, 60 square miles, bigger than major southern cities like Fayetteville, Arkansas, where the University of Arkansas is, and Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a place where they're catering toward illegal immigrants. Colony Ridge, owned and operated by developer William Trey Harris. William Trey Harris. These people here, they don't even have to provide a Social Security number. They don't have to show any credit rating, proof of income, any, any of this stuff. They may pay high interest rates, but it's a great deal for someone with no option to buy land in the country. And this came from Todd Bensman, a National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. This thing is getting on people's radar. It's right here in the state of Texas. And, and I can't understand if we have someone, a governor in the state of Texas, where it says in the Constitution of the state of Texas, Article 4, Section 7, that as the commander-in-chief of the Texas military department, he's supposed to suppress insurrections and repel invasions. So why is it that we have this sprawling community that is operating here just a few miles north and now it's known as the largest illegal alien settlement in Texas, Colony Ridge. Look it up. Well, maybe I can help you to understand. A representative of the Liberty County Sheriff's Office, which is where Colony Ridge is, Liberty County, told the Daily Wire its officers do not check immigration status in routine stops because it would take forever. He said the immigration status of suspects would only be checked when investigating violent crimes. Violent crimes. Well, if you're here illegally, that's a crime. So now we have the largest illegal immigration settlement, maybe in the United States of America, definitely here in Texas, 60 square miles, comparative to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Asheville, North Carolina. And the sheriff's office don't even go in there and patrol it. So in other words, we have just created a no-go zone for law enforcement. You know what a no-go zone is? Law enforcement, no-go in there. 
So who rules today in there? Well, I guess it appears the cartels. The site and the surrounding area have been the site of both drug-related and violent crime, including a gang and narcotics case that began with reports of gunfire exchanges, as well as the murder of a mother of five by a Mexican woman who reportedly practiced Santeria and was married to a high-ranking Mexican cartel member. This is what's happening in the state of Texas. Last year, a 16-year-old girl was found dead from a gunshot wound in a ditch in Colony Ridge. And as I mentioned earlier, earlier this year, an illegal immigrant in the area killed five neighbors, a family who was also here illegally, after they reportedly asked him to stop firing his semi-automatic rifle into the air late one night. Okay, help me to understand this. You're an illegal immigrant in the United States of America. You've been deported nine times, and somehow you get a semi-automatic rifle? I mean, the left would call that an assault weapon. So how is an illegal immigrant able to get that? But yet, out in New Mexico, we want to take the right to keep and bear arms away from legal law-abiding citizens. But yet, here in the state of Texas, in this place called Colony Ridge, you got a nine-time deported illegal immigrant that shoots a family of five that is here illegally. And the only thing that the left could get upset about was the fact that the governor of the state of Texas called the family that was murdered illegals. Well, they were here illegally. Get mad at me all you want. I don't give a rat. This is what's happening in the state of Texas. Now, why is this happening in the state of Texas? Well, there's an age-old saying, follow the money. Chris Russo, president of Texans for Strong Borders, told the Daily Wire, massive political donations have been made by the developers. Russo pointed out, Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott, who has taken $1.4 million in political contributions from the Colony Ridge developer Trey Harris, according to campaign records. Fact. Trey Harris's wife, Celeste Harris, has also donated $100,000 to Abbott's campaign in 2018, records show. Her occupation is listed as Colony Ridge Development. Other Republicans who have received money from the Harrises include Texas Congressman Morgan Luttrell, who received three maximum contributions of $2,900 in the 2022 election cycle. Luttrell tells the Daily Wire he just recently heard about Colony Ridge. But yet the story also said that there was no word about him returning the campaign contributions. Harris has also made political contributions to state lawmakers in the area. He donated $5,000 to State Representative Briscoe Kane, who represents neighboring House District 128 in 2020. Briscoe Kane did not respond to a request for comment. Harris also donated $1,800 to State Representative Ernest Bales, who actually represents House District 18, where Colony Ridge is located. But with Bales, this intricate web grows deeper because RTL is a pipeline construction earthwork and clearing company paved the way for Colony Ridge's expansion. The company boasted in 2008 that they helped build the largest roller compacted concrete development in the world. Just referencing one portion of the Colony Ridge. The owner of the R&T Ellis pipeline construction is Randy Ellis. He appears to be the current, the cousin a state representative, Ernest Bales. He's also the single biggest donor to Bales in his 2020 election cycle, contributing $10,000 in 2020 election cycle and $1,000 in 2017. 
See, Jesus was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. He's a traitor. And remember what we said, traitor, a person who betrays a friend, country, principal. Benedict, Arnie, Arnold, Judas. We don't see too many people naming their sons Judas. We don't see too many people naming their sons in America, Benedict, Arnold, whatever last name. But I just reeled off $1.4 million here, tens of thousands of dollars here, three contributions, 2900 max donations there. All to Republicans elected officials by people that are tied to the largest illegal immigrant settlement in the state of Texas, maybe the United States of America. State records show the Colony Ridge has spent anywhere from $200,021 and $750 to $482,879 for the services of lobbyist Chuck Rice and attorney Natalie Scott at Coat and Rose. Coat and Rose's political action committee also donated $6,500 to state representative Ernest Bales. Bales did not respond to multiple requests for comments from the Daily Wire. <laughs> Follow the money. But the sad thing is that here we are in the state of Texas, the number one state in the United States of America for human and sex trafficking, the gateway of the drug trafficking, human and sex trafficking crisis and issue. A governor that has taken $1.4 million from a man that's developing the largest illegal immigrant settlement here in the state of Texas, maybe in the United States of America. And oh, by the way, you know, everybody, stop coming up to me and talking about how great Governor Abbott is because he's putting orange buoys out there in the river. Texas has a 1,249-mile border with Mexico. Those orange buoys are only about 1,000 feet. And as you can see, down the Eagle Pass, people just going around them. Putting people on buses and sending them to other cities deeper into the United States of America, you're just aiding and abetting human trafficking. That's a traitor to our Constitution. So why do we give people passes like that? It's very disconcerting, very disturbing. Now, okay, now you're saying, okay, Carl, you're, you're picking on the state of Texas. Well, let me talk about nationally. Some of you all know that I've been kind of outspoken about this most recent nominee to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a General Charles Q. Brown, who was the Chief of Staff of the United States Air Force. Now, he has been nominated and also confirmed to be the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And why am I upset about this guy, General Brown? Because General Brown is all about this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff. I'm reading from an article here, General Charles Q. Brown, Too Many Red Flags, and this comes from Real Clear Defense, July the 12th, 2013, Scott Sturman. The United States military's reputation and mission readiness are in free fall, and diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, DEI, which pervade the armed services, bear much of the blame. General Charles Brown supports, promotes, and defends DEI passionately and unapologetically. Plunging enlistments, declining public trust, and confidence in the highest echelons of command, lowering physical fitness and aptitude standards, and plummeting military power ratings are the result of these self-inflicted wounds. 
Just as salt water tarnishes a sword, DEI arose the fabric of trust, competence, and unit cohesion. Gerald Brown represents DEI in euphemistic terms that are palatable to the public and allude to fairness and equal opportunity, but DEI has deep Marxist roots based on critical theories. His unwavering support of identity-based quotas and DEI imperatives is sufficient to justify and rationalize the purge of the depleted pilot corps of competent aviators that is composed of too many white males. Yes. This guy, General Charles Q. Brown, as chief of staff of the United States Air Force, came out and said that, you know, I think that we only need 46% white pilots in the Air Force. I think you need more than 46%. I think you need just competent people. You know, when I'm, you know, on the ground, back when I was in the military, and we call in an airstrike or something along those lines. I was a fire support officer for a uh, battalion task force, infantry battalion task force in Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I didn't care about the color of the person up there flying. I wanted to make sure that the bombs went where they were supposed to go, and there was a competent person that was dropping them. If you want to go and see how delusional this General Brown is, go back and look at his response to the George Floyd incident. Why is a general in the United States Air Force, who at the time was commander of the Pacific Air Force, why is he chiming in on George Floyd? I would think he'd be chiming in on what's going on with China and the fact that they're building their military. Within a month after the George Floyd incident, General Brown, who was serving as Pacific Air Force commander, publicly voiced his private opinions. In an emotional presentation, the general departed from the military's customary practice of remaining silent on political issues. His rendition of the events personalized the tragedy, but lacked context and served as an indictment of America as an intrinsically racist country. So how are you going to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff if you've gone out there and made a speech and made a statement that America is intrinsically racist? General Brown has not resisted the temptation to opine boldly in public about controversial political issues. The public trust in the military has been trending downward for the past 20 years and is approaching historic lows. But it's not just that. Okay, I can tell you that during his tenure as Chief of Staff of the United States Air Force, the B-2 bombers had to be grounded for maintenance and other issues. F-35 aircraft, its maintenance readiness was below 60%. Heritage Foundation's index of military readiness, I mean, the Air Force is rated as weak for military readiness. Now, these are all the things. These are all the truths about General Charles Q. Brown. Even the Conservative Action Project, Conservatives opposed the confirmation of General Charles Q. Brown. Conservatives. This was a letter that they put out. The conservative movement opposes the confirmation of General C.Q. Brown, Jr. as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the nation's highest-ranking military officer. General Brown's track record at the Air Force and his zealous commitment to race-based hiring metrics would jeopardize the unity, lethality, and readiness of our armed forces. We urge all senators to oppose his nomination. Under General Brown's leadership, the Air Force Academy cadets were told that they may no longer refer to their parents as mom and dad because it was divisive language. General Brown also authorized use of Air Force resources to host LGBTQ plus whatever alphabet soup mafia pride events, including drag shows for minors.
on Air Force installations. Unsurprisingly, an overwhelming emphasis on ideological indoctrination racial quotas have led to a decline in the Air Force performance. I mean, with such a poor record of leadership, the confirmation of General Brown as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff would jeopardize national security, the lives of servicemen and women, and the reputation of the United States military. He is the wrong man for the job in the interest of having the strongest, most united, superior military force in the world. We call on all senators to oppose his confirmation. I signed on to this letter, Conservative Action Project. You can go out there. You can pull it down. Is dated July the 12th, 2023. So what did the senators do? The United States Senate. Because the vote for General Charles Q. Brown came up on September the 20th of 2023 at 6.30 p.m. when they thought no one was watching. Vote number 235 required for a majority was the 60 votes to end the cloture. General Charles Q. Brown, nomination in the Air Force to be General and Chief of Staff. With all the stuff that I just read, that you can go back and you can look at, he was confirmed. 83 yeas, 11 nays, and 6 didn't even vote. Let me read you the names of the traitors the Republicans in the United States House, uh, United States Senate. Brasso, Wyoming. Blackburn, Tennessee. Boozman, Arkansas. Britt, Alabama. Bud, North Carolina. Capito, West Virginia. Cassidy, Louisiana. Collins, Maine. Cornyn, Texas. Kramer, North Dakota. Crapo, Idaho. Danes, Montana. Ernst, Iowa. Supposedly Army. Graham, South Carolina, Army JAG officer, right? Grassley, Iowa. Haggerty, Tennessee. Hoven, North Dakota. Hyde Smith, Mississippi. Kennedy, Louisiana. Lankford, Oklahoma. McConnell, Mullen, Oklahoma. Rand Paul, Kentucky. Ricketts, Nebraska. Rish, Idaho. Romney, Utah. Rounds, South Dakota. Scott, he likes to wear that Navy hat former governor of Florida, Sullivan, Alaska, Thune, South Dakota, Tillis, North Carolina, Wicker, Mississippi, and Young from Indiana, who likes to go around and tell people he was in the Marine Corps. Who are the 11 Republicans that voted against this? Only 11 Republicans. Only 11 Republicans voted against this nomination of Al Sharpton with stars on his shoulder. Those 11 Republicans that said no were Braun of Indiana, Cruz of Texas, Howley of Missouri, Johnson of Wisconsin, Lee of Utah, Loomis of Wyoming, Marshall of Kansas, Rubio of Florida, Schmidt of Missouri, Tuberville of Alabama, and Vance of Ohio. 11 Republicans, that was it. With all that I just read, and this is all fact, you can go back and look at the things that General Charles Q. Brown has said. All of those other Republicans joined with Democrats and confirming someone that I believe is worse than Mark Milley to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Who are the Republicans that didn't even vote on it? 
They didn't think it was important enough for them to vote. You're paying them to vote. That's their job. A, a, a confirmation vote for the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at a time when our military is cracking. Recruitment and retention is down. DEI all over the place. We're more so worried about gender dysphoria than the readiness of our military. And these guys couldn't even find the ability to vote. Cotton. Mr. I'm Army. Mr. I used to be in the, the old guard, the, the honor regiment. Cotton of Arkansas. Disgusting. Moran of Kansas. Murkowski of Alaska. And Tim Scott of South Carolina. He's going to be on the debate stage talking about how he wants to be the next commander-in-chief of the United States military. But yet he couldn't find the time to show up to vote on this Marxist general becoming the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Hey, Tim, I know that you and I were elected at the same time, went to the House of Representatives. You can forget about being commander-in-chief. You turned your back on our military. You couldn't even find the doggone time to show up and vote. You want to be president? You got to be kidding me. Let me repeat, traitor, a person who betrays a friend, country, principle. Benedict Arnold, Judas, many members of the Republican Party are turning their backs on the American people, on America, and the principles of this constitutional republic. The left has no standards. They have no principles. Well, their principles are Marxist, socialist, statist, progressive, leftist, communist. We know that. But we got to have some semblance of a loyal opposition that stands up to them instead of people that don't even show up to vote against one of the most radical generals that I think we will ever see at a time when our military is struggling. Look at what is happening here in Texas. The impeachment of a Republican attorney general by Republicans. Look at what is happening here in Texas. Our border is wide open. Even though we have a governor that knows that the Texas state constitution says he's supposed to repel invasions, instead he's taking $1.4 million and other monies. He is allowing the largest illegal immigrant settlement, probably in the United States of America, but definitely here in Texas, to be established right here. And look at these Republicans in the United States Senate who sold out our military to a Marxist. We can't continue down this path. And we've got to elect people that will be steadfast and loyal to us, the electorate, the American people, to our country, and to our principles. Now it's time for you to get off your butt. You gotta go out and make a difference. These people that don't want to honor our fundamental principles and values, don't want to honor our rule of law, they should not be in elected office. You want to talk about undermining our representative democracy? Elect representatives that don't even believe in the Constitution. 
or upholding and defending the Constitution. This cannot go on any longer. It is time for real American patriots to stand up and realize that there's a problem in the Republican Party. Look, Democrat Party, gone. They're just a bunch of socialists, progressives, communists, whatever you want to call it. But we have got to come up with a loyal opposition that will stand on this ideological battlefield and fight back against them. Steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down